This episode is sponsored by The Jordan Harbinger Show. Named the best podcast of 2018 by Apple. Tons of fascinating guests. Untold stories you won't hear anywhere else. Expand your wisdom and discover other perspectives that you've never considered before with The Jordan Harbinger Show. Join Jordan as he interviews high-profile people as well as intriguing personalities. Each episode features a discussion that might just take you anywhere. I recommend episode 970, where Jordan and guest Annie Jacobson talk nuclear annihilation. How likely is it? How scared should you be? And what comes after? There's also episode 886 with David Farina, which delves into the wacky world of flat earthers. These episodes are great starting points, but you're sure to find deep, interesting, and thought-provoking topics throughout Jordan's catalog. Turn off the music and turn up the wisdom with The Jordan Harbinger Show. We really enjoy this show and we think you will as well. There's just so much here. Check out jordanharbinger.com start for some episode recommendations or search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. They might call you a security guard, but there's nothing secure about it. This world is a strange one. Security guards do an important job. They protect and watch over things or people making sure the wrong crowds stay away and sometimes even diffuse a bad situation. But as you're about to see, the job of a security guard can be creepy, unpredictable, and risky. Here are some allegedly true creepy stories from security guards. But first, I want to hear your stories about creepy experiences at the mall, or maybe you've stumbled upon a strange diary entry you can send me your story at darknessprevails.org. Now, Paul Blart wouldn't even work these security jobs. Number one, The Rat, submitted by Soli Americas. Around 1980, I had just gotten out of active duty service with the US Air Force, and I decided to stay at my father's house in Massachusetts until I could find a place of my own. It wasn't easy trying to find a job, but soon I landed a security guard position with a big security company. This company had a contract to provide service for a big electronics manufacturer about 20 miles from my father's place. I had left the military with an honorable discharge and an old beat up Chevy Nova and little else to my name, so I really needed the job. I drove my old car to the electronics company where they gave me a baggy uniform and a big flashlight. 
My shift was to be from 11 p.m. to seven in the morning. I was given a tour of the buildings by the administration supervisor, which took nearly two hours. Let me tell you a bit about these buildings I was supposed to wander through all night. The place was a turn of the century, massive three-story brick mill that was originally built to manufacture textiles. It also had a huge basement and another smaller warehouse-like building across the street. The main building easily took up a city block and was one of the biggest structures in the small city. The interior had been renovated to accommodate offices, laboratories, manufacturing space, and other work areas. It was pretty much a maze in there, and the place stunk of chemicals for electroplating electronic components. It wasn't my idea of the best job in the world, but it was a start. I felt that if I put up with it in the meantime, that I might be able to move up in the company itself. That way, I'd be all set. The building across the street was used by the electronics manufacturer to store things like packaging materials, old furniture, and other assorted junk. There were two ways to get into that building, either go outside and cross the busy street or go through an old tunnel underground that ran under the street. It was part of the guards rounds to inspect the big building and the building across the road several times every night. I've always been a night person anyway and have always sought jobs where I could work alone. I hate having a boss hovering over my shoulder every minute and I hate coworkers complaining and gossiping all around me. So checking through the dimly lit buildings was no problem for me and it wasn't really scary for me. The worst was just having to call the cops a couple of times because kids either tried to sneak into the ground floor breaking bottles outside the front door or they would do graffiti on the outside walls. Nothing really major or extraordinary. Not yet, anyway. What always bothered me, though, was that dang building across the street. It was a ragged-looking building. It looked to be even older than the main building. It had filled stone walls with big steel double doors in front and no windows. One of the steel doors had a smaller door in the middle, and that's where we usually went to do our checks. When you opened the door, you had to go down about eight stone steps to get to the warehouse floor. The filled stone walls were crumbling, and in some places, you could actually see through the cracks between the stones. I'd been told that sometimes drunks or homeless people had managed to get in there, either by breaking the small door or because someone had forgotten to lock it. I was warned to keep an eye out for these people and if I saw any, to just get away from them, then call the cops if I found them in there. Part of my responsibility was not only to protect things, but to keep myself safe as well. Now, usually I preferred to cross the street to get to the other building, but one night, it was snowing heavily and the wind was wailing like crazy, so I decided to use the tunnel underground. The tunnel was about five feet wide and easily seven feet high, it was made of cobblestones that were always wet and the place was colder than a freaking refrigerator. The tunnel was just a straight line across the street, but underneath, and there were small dead-end passages off to the left that only went about 10 feet before they stopped. I have no idea if that was all that was left of some other tunnel that connected to it or if that dead end had some other purpose. Anyway, I started through the tunnel 
which had no lights. So I was carrying my big flashlight and it was blazing a path through the tunnel. I was on my way to check the warehouse. I got about halfway down the 40 foot tunnel when a noise made me stop and listen. It was the sound of a scrabbling noise that stopped me in my tracks. I'd always suspected there might be rats down in the mill's basement and the tunnel, but I hadn't seen any in the two months I'd been working here. I slowly began to move my flashlight back and forth to each side of the tunnel, keeping an eye out for anything that might be moving. It didn't take long to see eyes being reflected back at me, eyes that were a mix of green and yellow in the light, and behind them was a large and dark silhouette, and then I saw it move, and I knew right away what it was. It it was a rat, a rat bigger than any rat I've ever seen, even in the movies. This thing was as big as a large dog, no joke, It looked like it weighed 400 pounds easy and had very dark gray skin with some white under its chin and its eyes were huge too. In proportion, they were far bigger than they should have been. I kept my light on it as it began to step into the middle of the tunnel, still staring directly at me. Now, I'm five foot eight and I was raised near a swamp. I've seen my fair share of rats but this was a completely different beast, and I mean that literally. In seconds time, I decided that my security guard paycheck did not cover confrontations with monsters, so I took a step back from this abomination, never taking my eyes off of the thing or my light. If that thing wanted the tunnel to itself, it could have it. Then the way a curious smaller rat would, this creature, suddenly stood up on its hind legs, bringing its height to about my chest area, and showed me a mouthful of seriously needle-sharp teeth. Then it made this disturbingly ear-grating, high-pitched hissing sound. I had no doubt it was a you-shall-not-pass threat, and I took it very much to my pounding heart. I wasn't going to come any closer. Slowly, I was backing up, never letting the creature out of my sight, until my back touched the tunnel door into the main building. And in one quick motion, I was out of there. Luckily, that evil thing just stood there the whole time, watching me retreat. The only mention I made of this confrontation was to the afternoon guard I relieved when I came on the next night. I was curious and a bit disturbed so I just asked him if he had ever seen any rats in the tunnel. He said he didn't like going through the tunnel, so he never used it. Then he made a joke about being afraid of rats, and I just shrugged it off, so I decided I would avoid using that tunnel as well. I didn't want to risk running into that thing again. Only a few days later, this same guard was doing his last round, around 11 p.m., he went across the street to check the warehouse. He discovered that the small door that we used for entry was broken open, but being the brave fellow he was, he decided to go in anyway to check it out. He told me that he went down the stairs and took a few steps across the floor. He saw what he thought looked like a man lying on his side on the floor with his face turned away from him. The guard of course assumed that it was just another drunk or homeless man 
because the man appeared to be dressed in dirty old clothes. Then he heard a strange crunching, sticky noise as he called it, and he took a step forward to the man on the floor to see what he was doing to make that noise. As the guard approached, he said a massive rat, bigger than a dog, stood up from behind the man's body. It stood on its hind legs and jumped over the man, charging the guard right away, knocking the flashlight out of his hand and biting him straight through his glove. The guard screamed and said he threw the beast off of him and stumbled up the stairs and out the door slamming it shut behind him. He ran back across the street to call the cops and an ambulance. I arrived just as the ambulance was leaving, so I never saw the man my coworker had found on the floor, but I was told he was all right. He had just passed out drunk on the floor. The rat had found him and began chewing on his hands and fingers. It apparently started on his face and neck as well. He had permanent scarring from the event. I'm just glad that I wasn't the one who had to see it. The man was pretty messed up after that event and my coworker quit the next day and of course went to get anti-rabies and vaccine shots. I can't say I blame him. That would be enough to chase me away as well. In fact, I didn't stay there very long afterwards and I moved to another state for a better job. A few years later, my brother, who had worked with explosives while in the army, told me that he got a job at the same mill, the mill where I met the monstrous rat. The electronics manufacturer was no longer there and the new owners wanted the first floor removed to make a high space for some other kind of business. My brother set explosives and dropped the first floor into the basement in what I was told was a pretty spectacular show. A few minutes after the floor went down, my brother told me he heard what sounded like gunshots, so he went to the corner of the building to look down the alleyway to see what was going on. There were two cops down there, my brother said, who were part of a detail to keep people away during the demolition. Their guns were drawn and smoking. They were aiming towards an open bulkhead door into the basement. My brother asked them what the heck just happened, and one of the cops shrieked at him, saying some freaking nightmare of a giant rat had started coming out of that door and they shot at it. My brother went to look, but he couldn't find any such rat. But he said he was glad that he didn't see one because he really hates rats. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. 
It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Number 2. Night Shift Security Guard. Submitted by Aaron. I worked as a security guard for a few years after moving to a small city in British Columbia. It was a well-paying job and night shifts were more my thing since I was kind of an insomniac. I had just turned 20 and was now six foot three and 230 pounds. Just to give you some detail about myself, I was a bit of an intimidating guy, but everyone knew I was a sweetheart and I never caused any drama with people. I prefer to be alone myself. My coworkers often called me Jay because I always wore a Toronto Blue Jays hat. Anyway, I worked at a rather well-known nightclub and worked only weeknights. The place was pretty nice and had a DJ and everything. Well, one Saturday, summer had just kicked in and the nights started to get warmer and warmer. My usual partner couldn't make it in that night due to personal problems in which he had to go visit a sick family member. The club wanted to call in someone else, but me, knowing how annoying it can be for work to suddenly call you in, refused the offer. I told them I didn't need the help, so it was just me letting people in that night. As the line got shorter and shorter, I was informed over the walkie-talkie on my belt that I would have to stay late since I had no partner to help me let people out. It was slightly irritating, because the club runs fairly late anyway, usually closing around 3 a.m. It was only midnight then, and I realized that I would have to stand out there for three more hours, but I tried to think my best about it. So I responded over the walkie-talkie, joking, saying I better get paid double for this. After everyone was safe inside the club, I linked the red rope closed and leaned against the side of the building's wall. I decided to get on my phone and take advantage of the club's Wi-Fi. After about half an hour, I became bored of that and decided to have a cigarette. But before I could pull my lighter out of my pocket, a skinny man began walking up to the club from across the street. Slowly, I lit my cigarette and just watched him as he approached. I have pretty poor eyesight, almost legally blind, so usually I would either wear my glasses or contacts but tonight I had been in a rush and I didn't have time to grab anything. 
so I couldn't really see the details of this man. All I could make out from this distance is that he was very skinny and dirty looking. The closer he got, the better I could describe him. He was almost sickly thin. He was wearing an old gray sweatshirt and ripped up blue jeans. He was shaven, but it was poorly done and uneven. His skin looked too pale and his eyes were sunken in. I tried not to judge though and continued smoking until he walked up to the rope I stood behind. Could I get your name, sir? I asked, since even though this is a club in a shady downtown area, we still had a list of people who paid an entry fee before showing up. We didn't take money on the spot since we've had some incidences in the past with people bribing guards. He furrowed his brows at me as if in thought, then looked quickly at the list that was clipped to the other side of my belt. He then spoke. Uh, Thomas? Uh, James Thomas? He asked in a questioning manner, which made him suspicious. Was he asking me or telling me his name? Not only that, but his voice was weird, like some sort of cartoon character. I ignored his tone and checked the list. Lucky for him, there was indeed a James Thomas on it. I quickly scratched out his name and picked up the rope to let him through. Well, have a nice night, I said to him as he walked through the big metal doors into the club. He then replied just before entering the doors, saying, oh, I will. A couple of minutes later, no one else showed up and it was now around 1.45. I would still have to stand there for another hour. However, a couple of minutes later, it was now 2 a.m., and there was a sudden shout from my walkie-talkie, which made me jump. It was a buddy of mine who worked as security inside the club. I didn't hear any words, just a loud yell, so I picked it up. Ryan, what's up, man? I asked calmly into the walkie-talkie. Jay, get in here! He was yelling over the bass of the music, I could barely even hear him over it. What's going on, man? I opened the doors and ran inside. One of the bartenders said she saw a weird homeless man with a knife. I quickly made my way into the main area where the bass of the music almost made me dizzy. The flashing lights and fog didn't make it any easier. Squinting, I slowly made my way to the bar, pushing past dancers and drunken men. When I reached my destination, the bartender, Eliza, explained everything to me. Jay, he's skinny and pale, and I saw him walking towards the lounge. Eliza quickly gave me a vague description and began repeating herself over the music. Almost hyperventilating, I tried calming her down, but she kept panicking and said that we should shut down the club and evacuate. I dismissed her idea, since the idea could trigger the man to do something irrational and making this crowd of people panic could lead to some serious injuries or lawsuits. After finally calming her down, I began walking towards the lounge. I met up with Ryan on the way there. He was searching the lounge from a safe distance. Over here, it was a little less loud, which meant you didn't need to shout over the music. Do you see the guy? I asked Ryan, but he shook his head. All these guys are skinny and pale, he said to me and even in this kind of situation, I let out a small laugh. I then looked into the lounge myself and noticed someone right away in the back corner. Even with my poor eyesight, I could tell that that was the same man that I just let in a few moments ago. It was the supposed James Thomas fellow. 
Knowing that I already had a suspicion of the guy, I tapped Ryan on the shoulder and motioned with my eyes towards the back of the room. He looked at the man and then back to me with a look that said, Are you sure? And I only nodded before walking towards James. As I approached, I noticed that he didn't have any empty glasses in front of him. There was nothing in front of him at all. This began triggering alarms in my head since people only come to the lounge to drink in peace, meaning he came back here for some other purpose. Once I was right beside him, I spoke up, saying that I need him to step outside for a moment. Oddly enough, the man nodded then got up and began walking towards the nearest exit. It was going far smoother than I expected. No complaints or anything. He didn't even lift his head up to acknowledge me. As we passed Ryan, who was on the cell phone with the police, I told him that I can handle it and asked if he could wait at the front doors for the cops. He agreed. Then I stepped outside with the strange guy. We were now in the alleyway that was located behind the building. The only light was a small light bulb that hung above the metal door. As soon as the exit door closed, the man reached for something and I asked if he would keep his hands behind his back until the police arrived. But he kept reaching and as I advanced towards him, he suddenly pulled out a knife. It wasn't huge, but it could do some damage if he knew how to use it. In a quick motion, one that I barely saw coming, he took a swipe at me with it, cutting open my chest, but luckily I had jumped back, so it was nothing more than a scrape. Now I was mad, so I grabbed his arm and disarmed him, and I pushed him to the ground. When he hit the ground, he began laughing, laughing while desperately reaching for his knife, which was now laying about three feet away. He just kept laughing, high-pitched and loud. And then he began to curse me, saying that he'll gut me like a fish and slit everyone's throats. This guy wasn't on drugs, he was just insane, and he really did want to hurt someone, just for the simple sake of hurting people. Soon, the sirens and police cars made their way down the alleyway. I let out a sigh of relief as I recognized the officer who was another friend of mine, so we could tell right away that I wasn't the dangerous one here. Michael, the officer, approached me and quickly cuffed the guy as I kept him down. He picked the guy up once I got off of him, but the man was still laughing. As Michael stuffed him in the back of the cruiser, the man yelled out, stupid guard, you're the one who let me in, it was all on you. Which he was right, I did let him in. I didn't bother patting him down, I just let him stroll on in. I immediately cursed myself for being so careless. Michael and I made our way back to the front of the club. He took the car while I quickly walked to the entrance. As I rounded the corner, I watched as an ambulance passed by with its sirens on. As Michael once again exited the police car, I asked in a panic if anyone had gotten hurt. He nodded and told me that a man just three blocks down the road had been knifed 30 times. I gasped. I asked for the man's name in curiosity and Michael told me, James Thomas, I think. Why do you ask? I froze there and Michael obviously noticed this. I slowly turned to face his vehicle and noticed that the man inside, who I thought was James, began laughing and shouting at me. 
He was taunting and threatening me. I told Michael everything, and he quickly notified everyone and made his way back to his cruiser and back to the station. Another officer told me that I might need to be a witness in a court trial, but luckily for me, I never had to attend. The incident caused me to take a few months off my job. I didn't quit, since I did love that job. I wasn't going to let one bad experience ruin everything for me. The club doubled its security and made it mandatory for outside guards to use a hand metal detector. The whole thing did shake me up pretty bad, and it's kind of been burned into my head. I let a deranged man inside a populated club with hundreds of easy targets. Luckily, no, the only man that was attacked miraculously covered fully, but still, that crazy man could have injured a lot more people in the club, and I'm just glad Elisa was able to spot him, because if she didn't, this club would have never been the same, and it would have been all my fault. And number three, security officer, submitted by Jaden. I'm a security officer, and I had just gotten contracted to conduct firewatch at an elementary school that was in a not so safe neighborhood. A really bad thunderstorm had come through the previous night, striking the building, which caused the fire alarm system to go down. To enter the school courtyard, the area is surrounded by gates with keypads. The new supervisor needed to conduct a walkthrough with me at the beginning of the shift. I didn't really know the layout of the building, so coming up on a corner, I wanted to check it for any doors. My supervisor stopped me from checking, saying she needed to walk me through the rest of the courtyard and the perimeters, so I gave up and didn't argue, as me and the supervisor in question usually never see eye to eye on anything. An hour later, when conducting my patrol, I found a side access gate that could only be opened from the inside if you didn't have a key. The thing was, the access gate had been left open and was just hanging there. Without thinking anything of it, I just closed it myself, then went about my patrol as usual, not finding anyone at the time. However, a few hours later, around midnight, I had to go to the bathroom, thanks to some Red Bull and coffee, so I entered the courtyard to go use the one single-person restroom that was left for us to use. After doing my thing, I slowly opened the bathroom door, only to see some skinny man who looked tweaked out of his mind, holding a knife. The man was twitching and shaking all over, his eyes darting in every direction all at once. He looked like he was about to explode. He was wandering the courtyard inside the gate, I don't know what he was looking for, but he was definitely looking for something or someone. Then he began to scratch his chest with the knife. The moment I saw this scene, I shut the bathroom door and locked myself in, immediately calling the cops. But the man had seen me, and before I knew it, he was banging on the door, yelling in a delirious voice that he needed me to open the door or he would do the worst kind of things to me, slow and painful things. Then I jumped back because he began to rake the blade of the knife under the door. That was the longest 20 minutes of my life. The cops finally showed up, but the man had left moments ago. Still, I waited for the cops to arrive, 
not ready to take any chances. The police conducted a search of the area, and unfortunately at the time, they weren't able to find the suspect. I didn't have much to give the cops to go on, as I only saw the creep briefly before locking myself back in the restroom for safety. Lucky for me, the thunderstorms from the previous night didn't take out the school's security cameras. However, due to the budget cuts, the cameras weren't manned 24-7. Still, the odds stacked against us. The man was caught the following day after the school district pulled the security tapes. The tapes showed that he had entered from the same side gate, the same gate that I'd found hanging wide open hours earlier. Long story short, I refused to cover any more shifts at the school, only for as long as we had fire watch duty. I'm still a security officer, but I'm going to do anything I can to be better protected, just in case there's a next time. There are important things and important people out there, and where there are things to protect, there will always be security guards. It's a cool job. You're responsible for other safety and your own, but sometimes you'll be alone at night to guard over a seemingly abandoned building. No matter where you're working security, there's always that chance you'll encounter some psychopath, or better yet, a creature straight from your nightmares. Good night. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. And don't forget to send us your creepy diary entries or creepy mall story soon at darknessprevails.org. Thank you. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.